Hello everyone, it's Chris here from the In The Salad podcast and for this episode we've got a treat in store as I, as I was able to speak to Dutch trainer Bianca Dunk. Now Bianca has spent time here over in England, she's been in the industry for over 20 years, she got uh, lots of experience from many different yards and then a few years ago she moved back to Holland where she's now a trainer in her own name, she's got a small string of horses, she doesn't have the best facilities but she does very well with what she has. Um, during the podcast we talked about her career and about her style of training and about the racing scene in Holland as well. They've only got one race track in Holland and it means as a trainer in Holland she has to send some of her horses to Germany, uh, France, uh, Belgium. She has to look elsewhere sometimes because uh, they only race in Holland between April and September. But uh, before I hand over please give us a follow on what podcast platform you're listening on whether it's iTunes, Spotify, uh, SoundCloud. Give us a rate and review where you can. We really appreciate all the feedback you give us so make sure you do that. But I leave you now with myself and Bianca and I hope you enjoy the podcast. Hello everyone and thank you for listening to the In The Saddle podcast. For this episode I'm delighted to be joined by racehorse trainer Bianca Dunk. Thanks for coming on Bianca. You're welcome. So tell me a little bit about yourself. Um, how did you get into racing? You were telling me that you're originally from Holland. Did you discover racing out there or did you discover it when you moved to England when you spent time over here? Well, basically, I've always been into horses. I started off on the ponies. Um, then you do your dressage competitions and your show jumping and stuff. And then when I was 14, I started riding out in a racing yard just on weekends and in my holidays. Um, it was a little trainer in Holland. And I really enjoyed it. When when you're that age, you just think, wow, you just ride in racehorses. You go fast. It's really cool. Um, then when I was just turned 17, um, I got kicked out of school and, uh, which wasn't a problem. I didn't like school anyway. And so I was started working in the racing yard that I was riding out uh, in on the weekends. And then my boss, uh, he was good friends with Mick Easterby. And, uh, my boss said, um, why don't you go over there for a uh, one month? just to get a bit more experience. Uh, I had a ride on the track, uh, the home track in Holland. It's called Duindicht. Uh, as an amateur, uh, I won as well, <laughs> which was really, uh, really good fun. I enjoyed it. And so my boss said, why don't you go over there, get some more experience, and then you come back and I'll give you some more rides. So I went over to, uh, well, Everyone will know Spitting Mick. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so that was a bit of an eye-opener, to say the least. Um, I could barely speak English, so that was a bit of a challenge. Um, the first two weeks, it was it was hard, to be fair, because they couldn't understand me. I couldn't understand them. And uh, I did think, oh, I'm struggling here. But I thought, well, we decided just to stick it out for a month. I'll just hang on in there. So when it was near the end of the month, I just thought, well, I'll be daft to go back to Holland really, you know, because England is a bigger country than Holland. The racing industry is much, much bigger. Obviously you have jump racing as well, which we don't uh, over here. 
So I decided to stay. And then I thought, unfortunately, at that point, um, you didn't have media as in like Facebook or Insta, Instagram or and um so i didn't really keep a diary which would have been quite cool because i decided to kind of move around a lot and um, work for as many different trainers as i could to see a bit of england and also i think you learn a hell of a lot when you move around i mean everyone does it their own way you know and then i just um so if i do end up training i'll just do what I have learned and then just put my own spin on things. So um, in 23 years, I did work for 40 different trainers, which wow. people found quite shocking. <laughs> um, I was like, I was, I'd nearly say I was like a gypsy. I just moved around all the time. And at, the, at that point, I had point to pointers as well, which I did, um, which I enjoyed doing. But um, it's it's got a lot harder the last so many years pointing because technically years ago it was just an amateur sport, you know, for like farmers or just, mm. you know, stable uh, people. But now you see like a lot of people invest in a lot of money, you know, to, to run in a point to point. It's it's not, it's hard, like, but I enjoyed it. Um, I, I I had a couple of winners. I had a couple of winners hunted chasing as well. So uh, it was good fun. And um, But after 23 years, I wanted to kind of um, either have a permit or become a professional trainer. And financially, it just wasn't doable. So uh, I went, I got an opportunity to work in France. I worked for three different trainers in France. One was a flat trainer, two were uh, two big jump trainers over there um i really liked it although the language is really tricky but a lot of horse people will tend to speak a bit of english uh, at least and i wanted to see if i could train over there well because i didn't speak the language fluent enough um there would i couldn't take the exam so that was my only reason really to, nearly five years ago now i decided to move back home and I, I got my prof, uh, professional light training license over here. Um, I'm only small time. Um, I've got three, I've got four horses altogether. My old pointer is still here, but three for running. Um, and I work full time as a waitress. Unfortunately, I'd love to do the horses full time, but financially, just I need to have an income, you know. I, I, they're all my own horses. So, um, that's why I work on the side, but hope maybe one day I'd love to, you know, be a bigger um, trainer and pack in waitressing <laughs> um, and just see what happens. But Holland is, uh, like you already said, it's, it's, we only have one racetrack. Mm -hmm. uh, it's very small. Um, the racing starts well in, in April time till about September. Uh, it's only, well, once a week or sometimes it's once every two weeks it just depending on how many entries they have if they haven't got enough entries the meeting will just get cancelled um we have trotting races as well and we have uh, the arab races which they have the sponsors um so the prize money is interesting for them but the prize money for the thoroughbreds is well it's unfortunately not a lot at all um so at the minute we're as far as I'm aware, we're the only country that 
and racing is still isn't allowed um, to go ahead, which is really disappointing. Although I know I've just said the prize money isn't a lot, but it's still it's nearby. You know, it's forty minute drive, mm-hmm. so it's nice to get a run into the horses. Um, I, I suppose maybe support the track a bit as well. Um, so at the minute, um, they've done one last attempt to convince the, the councillor from that location to, uh, because he's put a stop to the spo- all the sports uh, events till the 1st of September. Well, I mean, it's pointless if he says by then you can run because end of September it'll be finished, you know, mm. it's it's a grass uh, track, so we don't have an all-weather track or, or anything. So uh, we'll see what happens. So at the minute, I'm just running in uh, Germany like I did the last couple of seasons. Um, I had a runner yesterday, a Russian ranger. He ran, he finished third. I was absolutely delighted with him. He ran a cracker. Um, I do sometimes run in Belgium. Um, there's a couple of tracks in Belgium. There's an all-weather track as well. Uh, at the minute, Belgium has just started uh, running again. Um, so hopefully... Um, I'll either go to Belgium or maybe with uh, some horse venture over to France if I think I, I have a little chance because it's a lot further to travel. Um, so, yeah, so we'll just have to go with the flow, do the best we can. Luckily, um, racing is back on. Obviously, the prize money is, is very bleak because there's obviously no public, so means no sponsors. Um yeah, but uh, hopefully um, that might pick up. I mean, we still are, are under restrictions at home, but the rules have loosened a bit. So hopefully maybe um, the councillor will change his mind and uh, we can run back home, which will be good, Just even if it's just a couple of runs here and there, you know. Um, and um, do the best we can with what we've got, to be honest. So just uh, going back to what you were saying, that you are uh, a part-time waitress, are a lot of people that find themselves in the racing industry in Holland, like your fellow trainers, jockeys, do they have to have other jobs as well? Because you might consider it a part-time sport or more as a hobby. Do a lot of um, other people in racing in Holland find your find themselves in the same position as you? Yeah, for me... Um... Like I said, I'd love it to be uh, full-time, but at the minute it's not viable. That is, um, in Holland overall, there's about 30 trainers. Um, and they there's, for instance, uh, one trainer, she has about uh, 20 horses, but she does run a lot in France. And she has, uh, you know, she has owners, so she, she can make it pay mm-hmm. um, because she does uh okay in france you know um there is other trainers like me um they might have there's one trainer for instance he does a bit of uh, horse transport with his two staller you know um or they have other people that have their own business on the side so they have plenty uh cash just to do the training on the side uh yeah so it's 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 Obviously, like uh, there's one trainer. There's quite a few will run in Germany, um, a couple in France, but you know it's it's good horses in France. Uh, sometimes they can travel a long way in the lorry and then just finish 
out of the money like so it's it's a deal i'll do but yeah. then if you have an owner that will pay for the transport or you know it, it does help when it, when you have to pay for it all yourself it's it's hard like and and uh, with your training facilities and that in holland do you have to like share gallops for example with other trainers are there like little hubs like in england like you've got like lambourne and newmarket and like midland up in the north are there little hubs in holland for racing or like yourself you've got like your own gallops and your own places where you train the horses or is there some like shared facilities okay so the the there's a few trainers there'll be about um on the on the racetrack uh down which i said before yeah there's trainers there that train there's just a mix of uh thoroughbred a uh, couple of arab trainers um and then uh a few trotting trainers they train um either on the racetrack which there's um they don't tend to use the grass because obviously they want to keep that fresh for for running so they have the outside of the grass it's like a, it's like a soil like an all-weather uh training uh gallop uh and then the, on the inside of the grass that's where the trotting facilities for the trotters are and they also where the location the location is is quite ideal to be fair because you can go for absolute miles into the woods into the dunes you can ride to the beach which is like kilometers long it's a massive beach mm. so um it's a great facility um the reason why i chose not to have my horses there because I like to have them living out. Uh, mine kind of, I like just a bit more the natural life for a horse. Uh, I have absolutely nothing against stables. I wish I had some stables because it's always handy. So mine, I just have uh, land that I rent of a farmer. And mine will live out 24-7 all year round. They do have shelters if, if it rains that so they can make the decision to you know standing underneath in the shelter to keep dry or whatever um i don't have gallops at all uh, how i train is basically um i have them based um near where i live and um i have we have like well it's sort of a mini beach which um i lunge them in the water which which i would call aqua training mm -hmm. um i'll ride to the beach which is like 20 minutes walk then I'll get off, take the saddle off and the bridle off, put the heck, heckler's already on, go stand in the water myself. And then I, I, in the beginning, I will build it up slowly. But once they get really, really fit, um, I'll do like 10 minutes trot left, uh, going left-handed and 10 minutes trot going right-handed. And I'll, I'll make them go like a slow trot. And um, it, it's I find it's really good uh part of the training because it is hard work but in a kind of a relaxed kind of a way and then i'll just hold the gear back on and i'll walk back home um i sometimes i'll do it once a week sometimes twice a week it kind of depends to be on the temperature of the water because i have to stand in it as well you know i have my leggings on which i roll <laughs> up for like shorts um, so uh, if the water's a bit nippy so i might just uh, skip sometimes but um <laughs> And then we, I have the woods near me. There's like several uh, bridle paths. There's one which is a nice path, to be fair. I don't have the luxury of a, a tractor with a roller that will, you know, harrow it lovely and smooth like you see on trainers' private gallops or, or Newmarket or Lambourne, obviously, which is, that's a shame. Um, 
but that there's it's like a one uh, kilometer long so it's not unfortunately i would have preferred it a bit longer but you know it is what it is and mm. um, the hard, the only hard part is it's it's can be real frustrating in, in in when you're riding on the bridle paths if you go in in the afternoons for instance you always get I have to just say it politely now because obviously I'm on live. You always get people that will walk the dog on the bridle path when there are footpaths for them to walk on. There was another occasion I'll be cantering. Yeah, you know, I don't go too quick anyway because you, it's, you can't. Um, there's mountain bikers, you know, cycling on there. Yeah. But, and that is really, for, it's, it's dangerous as well. I mean, so, but the one kilometer path that me good sort of well sort of gallop let's call it that then um that's one straight line so you can see ahead and uh i mean i've got a right set of lungs on me if someone's on the path i will scream um and they will get out of the way like if not i'll just run them over um so facility wise you know i do obviously place me little videos or photos and people will comment but you know they don't it, it is really hard work, you know, I'm not like trying to sound like people should have take pity because it's my choice, but I don't even have like water where I keep them. I have a clean river that gets tested regularly. So I have these six jerry cans that I fill up, 20 litre cans, you know, I'm just carrying them. I, do, I have like, um, I don't have electricity. So it's, it's, it's really hard work sometimes, I just think. Wow, you know, it'd just be so nice just to have a yard where you have just your basics, just to have a, a hose pipe where you just turn the tap on, mm. you know, a light switch, just simple things. Um, so, so, like, I'm not, I'm not a big timer, but sometimes I think, well, I'm, I'm actually quite proud of myself. What I do achieve, I have cheap horses, you know, that Ranger cost me £600 at Ascot Sales. Is one okay he's only won two races uh he's won on the home track in holland and he's won in dusseldorf two years ago and he's been placed a few times i mean it's nothing to like you know get excited mm. about but it's still it's a cheap horse like he's, he's a lovely horse it's lovely to ride to do um and he always gives 100 percent on the track um so yeah so the training is hard but like i said i can train from the track or on the track sorry um, but, I, I, you know, there's no turnout there. And when I see my horses, you know, yesterday we come back, from, you know, take them off the wagon, you know, put them out in the field. He's just says hello to his friends, have, has a role, just has a little trot around the field and everything, put the food down. He just eats. And But um, to have stables, see, you're never going to attract owners because not everyone will um be happy that the horse will be trained from the field or the fact that you don't have stables um so i think that's a downside but um the location that i'm at like it's, it's the south of holland it's well shortage of land or stables and it's, it's quite an expensive area as well so um yeah so it, it is difficult but like when you have a day out like yesterday fair enough i didn't win but it was a 16 runner race and like to run like you did when I'm running against people that have better facilities than me, I'm like, you know, I'm, then I'm just quite chuffed with myself. I'm thinking, well, I'm, I'm not packing in. I'm just going to keep kicking and just stop moaning and get on with it. 
Just going back to when you said you, you, you're not going to pack it in there. Have you ever thought about quitting, though, um, because of the tough lifestyle, the fact that you have to have another job uh, alongside uh, when you're training your horses to fund yourself? Have you ever thought about maybe, you know what, this isn't for me and life's getting a little bit tough now? Yeah, absolutely. I must admit, though, um, especially even when I was in England as well, when uh, when you work full-time in racing and then in your spare two uh, our lunch or whatever you train the horses and and then um it was it was really hard then as well but especially in the winter time you know with the pointers i mean there were proper winters then when the snow was just up to your kneecaps or whatever so i've thought on several times i just thought you know i I was younger then i mean well i'm not that old now but i mean i'm 43 but i'm just saying like i've done this since well mid-20s or whatever and i just sometimes i think oh it's getting harder when you're getting older, like. Um, but at the same time, though, having said that, it does keep you fit. I mean, if I, like, look at work sometimes, you know, like, I sometimes, like, outrun these youngins, like, you know, they moan like they're tired, and I'm thinking, God, I've, I've had a shift with the horses, you know, already, like. Um, so, yeah, if, if, if I keep when you get these results it kind of just gives you a push just to keep going you know and i'm really hoping with my new horse um i'd say he'll be my best horse um he is a seven-year-old he's a french horse i'm hoping that uh he will run the 5th of july if he runs well i can maybe find a race for him in france and i'm hoping that uh well you never know if you get a break in this game or not mm. uh, a lot of it is down to financial um stability as well do you know what i mean um it's hard to compete with the big with the big ones yeah um so yeah but but like for everybody in racing they're just waiting for that one horse that one opportunity that could maybe just take them up to the next level and obviously you just gotta keep going back to the well haven't you and trying to find that horse but as long as you can get the most out of them i guess that's what that's what you need to do also what what i'm not very good at at all is um with this game you also need to have like a business brain really which i know what what i should be doing but i can't i i'm just too attached to them when for example just ranger when i obviously paid very little money for him and when he won in germany uh, a german trainer wanted to buy him now we're not talking mega mega money but i would have made a profit Hmm. and technically if you want to kind of make a go of it or expand or or whatever you need to sell when you can make a profit i mean that's just how it works but i'm just a bit too soft with things like that because you know he's a lovely horse and i just kind of i don't know it's it's I, I like him. He's, he's I mean, he's seven year old now, so he's not gonna like improve a hell of no, a lot, no obviously. But, you know, it's. And, but then again, though, people can say at the time people were like shouting at me, "Oh, you're stupid for not selling," stuff like that. Um, I did. I had the same. Uh, I did the same mistake in England several times, uh, when I could have sold a few pointers and I didn't. Um, well, people can say, "Oh, well, what." With more money, you can buy better horses. Doesn't always mean you're gonna have more luck. Yeah, you'd like to think hmm. you can. You know, you'll be competing at a at a higher le- level, 
But I mean, they're only they're horses at the end of the day. They're not machines. Anything can go wrong, even with a more expensive horse. So I don't regret not selling them, I must admit. But on the other hand, it's hard to keep going mm. when you're only running in small races, you know, running for little price money. Um, if, if you saw, if you keep selling when you can, then you can maybe find your own yard, you know, then you can get your bit nicer facilities, what maybe would possibly could attract some owners. Um, so I'm, 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 I know what to do and I can tell someone else what they should be doing financially or whatever, but I'm struggling with it myself. Uh, but like I with the one horse, I have made a decision, uh, groundnut, because um, he's a lovely horse. He's great to ride. He goes well at home with training, mm-hmm. but he's disappointing on the track. Um, when the stalls open, he just jumps out so slow. I remember last year in Belgium when he ran. Um, he just he just stood still. I mean, they'd long gone, and then eventually he did jump out. And then he doesn't actually run a bad race, but um, you know, it you kind of he's no Franco. You kind of lose your race at no. the start, so he's having one more chance. Uh, also on the fifth of July, um, it's a, it's a step up in trip. Um, I ran him in cheek pieces uh, last time, made no difference at all. Um, he, he ran well, but again, you know, not like in any place money or whatever. So he's stepping up in trip. Uh, I'm just contemplating to maybe, depending on how he runs, to either give him a go over hurdles, uh, if that uh, is any of his interest. Because he's not frightened or anything. He has his ears pricked when he walks into the stalls. But he just, he just, I don't know if he's having a siesta in the stalls or whatever. <laughs> I always tell the jo- jockey, keep him awake, you know. Um, and then the doors open and he'll just hesitate. Which is really weird because when I before I bought him, I also bought him at the sales, uh, Ascot sales. I looked at his old uh, racing videos, and he was never slow coming out in England. So it's a bit frustrating hmm. that he does it here. Um, but anyway, we'll give it another go, and then if I don't, hopefully if he runs well, he run again on the flat, obviously. And I'd maybe give him a run over hurdles if we can find a little race. But that the problem is, we don't have jump racing in Holland. Mm. We only have flat racing. Um, the, I ran my old pointer when he was fourteen. I ran him in Germany, a track called Bremen. Yeah. It's a it's a dual track. Um, I must admit, I'm not a fan of the German jump racing. Um, it's nothing like England at all. No. I mean, the fences are like. They're really quite tall, but they are soft. Mm. So the horses are jumping through them. And when I ran my horse, which is an excellent jumper, um, he jumped over them. So it was a bit of a waste of time that day. Mm-hmm. Um, they also tend to um, sometimes mess about with the with the distance. Uh, when they first advertised the, the, the chase, uh, handicap chase it was a three mile and then because they didn't ha- they only had nine entries they decided to um change the trip when i when we already made the entry to two miles six which was quite frustrating because 
he really is a three miler. He's not quick enough. Yeah. But I don't know the training, and I thought, well, I'll give it a go anyway. But it was a a waste of time. Um, the hurdles are—it's just nothing like England at all. Um, so I'm not a fan of the German jump racing. Um, I must admit. Um, so, but then you having to venture over to France. Well, you know, it's hard to find a little hurdle race in France because the, the horses are just too good. Yeah, yeah. Um, so what do you do? Do you travel a long way? I don't even have my own transport. I always hire a two-staller. Well, that costs plenty of money, you know. Yeah. Um, so it's, 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 a di- it's a difficult. Hopefully for me, he'll, he'll run well and then he can stay. <laughs> if not, I'm... Uh, I'll just call it a day because if he doesn't really want to do it, um, then you might as well just find a good home for him yeah. and um, maybe replace or get another horse or or just see how it goes. No, but it all sounds really interesting. It sounds like you do quite well and you love your small string and you've got so much passion for the game. But that's all we've got time for in this podcast, Bianca. Thanks for joining us and hopefully we'll talk again soon. For more podcasts, please follow us on SoundCloud iTunes and Spotify and if you want to follow us on social media you can follow us on Twitter where our handle is at in the saddle pod and we're now available on Instagram where our name is in the saddle global.